Hello and welcome to Sunday Night Conversations, brought to you by D1 Baseball. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. First of all, we want to say thank you to our presenting sponsor, and that is our good friends at Netting Pros. These guys are awesome. Netting Pros specializes in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting and padding for college baseball programs all around the country. Next time your field or facility needs something new, whether that be netting, wall padding, L-screens, ball carts, make sure you check out our friends at Netting Pros. And I said this last year when we did this, these guys are, you know, their their service and their products are second to none. And and on top of it, they love our sport. They love baseball. They are all in. And, and so, again, we are so appreciative for them to be the presenting sponsor once again. So before I introduce these four gentlemen, the stars of the show, if you will, let's talk about what we're doing. This is kind of version 2.0 of what we did last year of for what we called fourth coach conversations. And and the essence of what we did last year was, hey, there's these all the, the volunteer coaches in college baseball. They are the fourth coach on our division one staffs and they kind of operate in the shadows. So let's change that. Let's get these guys out here and, and present them to the public. And it was awesome. It was I had so much fun doing it. And this year we thought we would do it a little bit differently where we're just talking to all kinds of assistant coaches and we wanted to be more topic specific. So Tonight's topic is going to be game management on the pitching side. How do you how do you call pitches? How do you work with your bullpen? And I will tell you guys, I was a high school coach. I was a head junior college coach. I dabbled in calling pitches at, on those stops. I feel very confident in saying I was the worst ever. I mean, certainly, if not the worst ever in the top 10 worst game callers in the history of our sport. But but that's all right, because no one, no one needs to hear my philosophy tonight. They need to hear you guys. So before we get into the, the, the topic at, at hand, let's go around the horn and I'll have you guys introduce yourselves. And actually, I'll go in reverse order. I'm going to start bottom right. We got the great coach Dave Lawn with us out of Arizona. So Lonnie, go ahead, introduce yourself. Take us around your stops. Okay, so... Dave Lon, I'm currently at the University of Arizona starting my eighth year. Before that, when I got out of school at UC Santa Barbara, I went to coach at Contra Costa College for the leg- for my high school coach, the legendary Larry Carrico. And then two years there, then I had a two-year stop at the University of Nevada, Reno, under Gary Powers. Then 10 years at the University of California, Berkeley with Bob Milano. And then my last year there was David Esker's first year. After I left Cal, I went to coach with one of my former coaches, but then I became one of his assistants, Mike Gillespie at USC. And then from 08, 9, 10, 11, I was the head baseball coach and senior director of formation at Servite High School. Then I was an athletic director for two years at J. Sarah. Then back at the University of Nevada, Reno with Jay, Jay Johnson. Came down here with Jay and starting year 37. And I'm originally from El Cerrito, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Played at El Cerrito High School, go Gauchos. Played at Laney College, the Laney College Eagles for Tom Purse. And then Santa Barbara for Al Ferrer. Oh, Glad so great. On. So, so for the listeners, you may hear me refer to Lonnie as CL, which is the acronym Coach Lon. Lonnie, you've been around so long that you've just have this population in our sport that call you CL. So I, yeah. I have a follow-up question. This is an awesome point on your resume. If I'm not mistaken, you have been to Omaha with a Division One team in each of the last four decades. So please confirm that and give me the, give me the four teams. Yes, it's true. Ninety two with Cal. Mm-hmm. Oh one with USC. Sixteen with Arizona, and then twenty one with Arizona. Or awesome. yeah, yeah, that's. So you have to coach. You have to coach at least eight more seasons. Coach eight Long, more years. I'm shooting yeah. for five in five. Right. <laughs> no, no pressure, Coach Hale, but. In the year 2030 or 2031, we need the Wildcats in Omaha to keep the streak alive. So yeah, let's put be, that out there. Yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, that's awesome. Very good. Well, I've I've known Coach Lawn for, for a long, long time, one of my all-time favorites. So that's good. Coach Claggett, go ahead. Well, that's tough to follow up on. Yes. Uh, 
That's impressive. My name is Anthony Claggett, pitching coach here at Washington State University, going on four years now before, with the Coach Green. And before that, I was with Coach Green at New Mexico State with two years there as well. So very fortunate to work for Coach Green in Washington State. Would absolutely love it here. Before that, I had a stint at San Jose State. And then before that, got a chance to work and coach with legendary Dennis, Dennis Rogers over at Riverside City College. And that's where I actually started coaching outside of playing professional baseball. So I got a chance to play for 11 years, played with the Pirates, the Yankees, and the Tigers. Very fortunate to get an opportunity to do that. And I'm a native of Palm Springs, California. Went to Palm Springs High School there. And then after that, I went to UC Riverside for college under Jack Smitherin, Doug Smith, Coach Checkets, Coach Benton, Coach Valencia. We had tremendous staff, really, really fortunate to play for them before getting an opportunity to play in pro ball. So absolutely love Pullman. Me and my wife are here and going almost on three years of, of marriage. And we actually have our first child on the way, 37 weeks pregnant. So like I said earlier, Runes, if I got to get out of here, man, it's good. It's like I'm having a baby. So yeah, really, uh, really fortunate uh, to be here. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Clegg, so let me ask you this, a follow-up question. So I'm going to say this kiddingly, but I, I mean it in a serious way. Like when you and, and Brian Green were at New Mexico State, you guys had outstanding teams. I mean, just really excellent, excellent teams. And I think most people know it is really an extreme environment. And like I'm talking all caps, extreme environment. I coached in an 18 to 16 midweek game there one year where we we could actually still be playing 12 years later. Like it was insane. So, so kiddingly, I would ask you that, you know, was Brian very direct with you when he mentioned that, hey, most days there's 35 mile an hour winds gusting out to actually all areas of the outfield. But then I'm just curious, I would imagine it was, there's a big psychology job there when you're coaching <laughs> your pitchers that, hey, we're, we're, the goal is to win. The goal is not to have a 0 0.5 ERA. Yes, that's it. The goal is to win. And that that's it. Obviously, we had a tremendous offense, really good. And, and even if without being an offensive ballpark, we had some pretty special offenses. So yeah, my, my job was easy. I keep it pretty much under 10 and uh, we'll have a pretty good shot to win a ball game. So, but it has its challenges and actually it really helped me grow being there as far as a pitching coach and kind of the understanding of, you know, Getting a ground ball is a good thing and doing some things like that. So, yeah, it, it definitely has giant coach green was up front with it. So I, I knew what I was getting myself into. So, but it was, it was a special place to be at for sure. Yeah. Absolutely loved it there. Yeah. That's you. You weren't kidding. Like those offenses were elite, elite. So very cool. Coach Cribby, go for it. I do. I do remember those nights. I lost Crucis being at Seattle university and you know, there were balls that sometimes just disappeared. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't even know where they wanted. They just went a long ways. But Elliot Cribby, pitching coach here at the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California, in the West Coast Conference. Appreciate being on here. You know, Coach Lon kind of stole the show earlier. I older than me on a coaching side. He's been coaching older, longer than I've been alive. So that guy's absolute legend. But I certainly appreciate <laughs> you guys having me on here. I, I started a little bit in in a different path you know, very blended into some of these guys here as well on the show. But I started in high school and won a state championship here in, in Washington and then kind of started to get my career going a little bit, moved to Texas, coached for a year, and then came back and built Seattle University where competed against Coach Claggett and Coach Green for five years and then coached at Purdue with Coach Wasikowski, who's doing great things at Oregon. And then the last three years I've been at the University of Washington, which is where my alma mater was, and have now gotten the opportunity to be at the University of Pacific and absolutely loving it. The sunshine has been great, especially for our bald heads, as you know, Mr. Rooney there. Love it. And yes. so I'm excited. And, you know, it's just getting back to coaching in its purest form and, and really, you know, looking forward to be able to develop these guys on another level and, and being the Tiger guy to be able to bring this thing back. Hey, Craig, let me ask you, when you pitched at Washington, did you pitch for Ken Knutson? I did, yes. Oh, awesome. So so Ken Knutson, nicknamed Snake, legend. Yeah. Tell me tell me a takeaway from, from, you know, maybe something about Ken Knutson, the way he coached you that impacted the way you coach pitchers. Yeah, he got his nickname because he could always get himself out of a situation. You know, he was a left-hander that, you know, didn't throw very hard. So he always just tried to snake his way through things. But, you know, one of the funniest conversations I ever had with him, I was a walk-on and Ken Knudsen and my dad played together at the University of Washington. Wow. And I wouldn't say it was a favor to my dad by any means, but I think 
you know, within our first 10 games, I think I'd had seven saves coming in from Columbia Basin College where I went to junior college my first year. And I remember him coming out in the outfield and saying, hey, my plan was originally to have you be a team manager and now you're our closer. So keep it going. And I said, hey, I apologize for ruining that for you. So that's that was one of my favorite moments about Kenny. But awesome guy, obviously had a, a illustrious career at UW for 18 years and now in professional baseball. Great human being. Yep. You know, it's it's interesting. We're seeing a little bit of a trend in college baseball now where we've got some head coaches that are becoming assistant coaches. And I wouldn't say that's a new trend per se, but maybe it just feels like it's a little higher volume this offseason. And Snake, you know, Ken Knutson was one of those guys 12 years ago at Arizona State. And man, oh man, you know, he 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 came there to, to work for Pat Murphy and then worked under Tim Esme and just did. It, it just it's a good reminder that that head coaches have positional strengths and snake did an unreal job with the pitchers at Arizona state after having been the head coach at Washington for 18 years. And like some guys, I'm thinking of guys like Seth Blair and Merrill Kelly, who's still pitching in the big leagues. Like these were not like turnkey guys, right? Like they were, they, I don't know, man, snake was a magician. He was so, so good. So obviously Tim Lincecum. You know, that's, that's one that, you know, I, that's more t- turnkey crib. Yeah. Like that, I saw him as a freshman. I think I could have coached Lincecum. No, no offense to anybody at UW. That was, you know, I always tell that story too. He had 199 strikeouts his junior year, you know, and, you know, Cooper Jerby at Oregon State had 161. Incredible year this past year. But I was telling our guys last year, I'm like, Tim Lincecum had 199 strikeouts. We didn't even make a regional and he threw less innings pitch. I mean, think about that for one second. So, as we're talking about Kenny Knutson. Yep. Yeah, that's a good, good right-hander. His Linscombe's freshman year was the only year I got to see him because I had left Arizona State. But we had a good team. You know, it was Pedroia's junior year. That was a, There was, you know, Travis Buck. There were big leaguers on that team. And if I'm not mistaken, Linscombe, you know, he threw infinite pitches. There was no pitch counts for him. He was in such good shape. And it was like one of those little league outings, like 10 punch outs, six walks. Like There was almost no balls that were put in play. It was in, insanity. So... That's so good. Coach Weaver and the Villanova Wildcats. Let's go Philly in the house. Go ahead, Javen. <laughs> Javen Weaver from Villanova. I'll be the East Coast rep tonight. Got uh, played at East Stroudsburg under Coach K. I got my start at Fairmont State under the great Phil Caruso. And then I was lucky enough to become a student assistant for grad school. My time at West Virginia under Coach Maisie and spent time under Sabins and, and Derek Matlock, which was an awesome experience to, to watch him every day with arms. And then from there, I, I went back up to upstate New York, where I'm from, my wife and I are from, and took over the program at Hudson Valley Community College. Was there for a year and a half, had unbelievable guys there. And then from there, I, I came to Villanova for the first time, the first stint as the volunteer assistant, worked with the catchers, was here for the spring, couple months, and then that summer, my wife and I went down to Campbell, where I was very fortunate enough to spend a couple months as the operations guide for Coach Hare, which was, again, months that I'll never forget. Learned so much from him in that program. And then was fortunate enough, I was only there for a couple months and got the phone call and went back up to, came back up here to Villanova. Coach Mulvey, thank God, he, he asked me to come back up here. And we've been here now going on season five overall, season four with the pitching season. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I love it up here. It's, it's an awesome experience and became a dad two months ago. So Gotta things are great yeah, right now. We're, we're, we're bringing the, the dad vibes tonight. This is awesome. The, hey, so Jabin, the, the league that you played in, the, the, and they believe it's called the PSAC. It's there, there's a really strong division two athletic conference in Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania is such a big state and it's anyway, the PSAC, but that's a good baseball league. If I'm not mistaken, Westchester has won the national championship at least once, if not more than once. Who were the powerhouses when you were in the league? Uh, Westchester won the World Series, I believe, my freshman year. Got it. And then Millersville is always a powerhouse. And it, it really, it, and then the West side too is always loaded. I mean, my freshman year, Westchester had Joey Wendell. And I don't believe he was the highest batting average on the team that year. That's how that's how good they were. Matt Adams for the Cardinals was on the other side of the- Slippery Rock. Just, the Rock. Slippery Rock, yep. Slippery right. Rock. And we actually, somebody just brought up Coach Mulve actually brought up Ryan Vogel's song the other day. He's He pitched at Kutztown in the wow. East in the PSAC. And a former teammate of mine actually just advanced in the MLB playoffs, Matt Festa, coming out of the bullpen for the Mariners. No uh, way. He's, he's a, a Strasbourg guy? Oh, that's yep. awesome. How good yeah. was he in college? Was he elite in, in, even for you guys, or was he more a slow development guy? No, he came in, and he just had kind of one of those phantom-type injuries where it wasn't major, but nobody really knew 
quite what it was. And once he, he really got over that and, and kind of matured physically, I mean, the velo just jumped and, and he had an unbelievable work ethic to go along with it. And yeah, he was just, he was just a great person, great teammate. He just worked his tail off. Love it. Oh, that's really cool. Gotta love it. It's amazing. Just all the, Hey, everyone's development path is unique. It's, it's amazing. So, all right, boys, let's get into it. So tonight's topic is game management for pitchers. So two of the big areas for me, and, and we'll see how we do time-wise, but you know, I, I want to talk about calling a game. You know, it, it, it's like the pitching coach, especially in college baseball, and especially as we're watching these playoff games, just the intensity and, and, and calling the right pitch at the right time. And there's so many variables to that. And then I also want to talk about managing a bullpen during a game and, you know, knowing when to get a guy up and, and how hot to get them and what's the right matchup. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to the bullpen stuff in a second. So here's the here. I'll give you guys a kind of a, a, a context for the question. So I become a junior college coach at Phoenix College. And I'm going to have to call pitches. Never done it, done it before, really. And so I call Bill Moziello, who he's my baseball rain man. He's now the head coach at Ohio State. Like, he is the baseball savant. He, he's baseball rain man. And I say, Mo, I've never called pitches before in my life. Can you give me something that's not calculus six to just uh, that I can lean on? And, of course, Mo had a great answer. He said, well, go with this. He said, no one on base. Go, go forwards. You know, fastball early, breaking ball late. Runner in scoring position, flip it. Go soft early, hard late. So there you go. I'm off and running. Made sense, right? Like no one on base or no one in scoring position. Work, you know, get get your fastball going early. Go to the breaking stuff late. Then a runner in scoring position, flip it, and we're off and running. So the the, the kind of the nature of the question, and, and Lonnie, I'll start with you, is do you, and maybe that's oversimplified. Like feel free to refute that. But do you have kind of like a foundational something that is your starting point as you're calling pitches? Well, I think first and foremost, you want to go with the pitcher's strength and, and throw the most high percentage pitch early in the count. I think what I think what's worked for us over the years is, you know, you talk, you talk about situations where like nobody on one out and it's a two, two count. I want, I would prefer our pitchers want to throw the fastball because they tend to think they've got another crack at what they missed out on 0-2-1-2. So they, you know, everybody always tries to throw everything a little better in those 0-2-1-2 counts. Sure. And then they want to throw a 2-2 breaker again. And now you're 3-2 and now you're kind of stuck. The other thing too is Basically, in a game, in most games, there's not more than one hit in a game, in, in any inning, okay, generally speaking. So if you walk a guy before you give up a hit, well, now that's how the rallies develop because a hit is usually coming. And yeah. if you've walked a guy with, with before you've given up a hit, let's say it's, let's say it's one out or, or no outs, well, you've kind of shrunk your infield a little bit because you want to you want to turn two and and so you you, you can get yourself in. The other thing too, I think is important about pitch calling. And I really believe this. I think I think the right pitch, you know, the pitch that should be called, and we've all sent that in because we believe that's going to get the out, but isn't thrown with a hundred percent conviction, is way worse than the wrong pitch with 100% conviction. And so, you know, we give our guys the opportunity to, I mean, we, we let them shake. Now, you've, you've, you do kind of have to earn it, but, but by the same token, we want some freedom in what they're feeling. And I think, I think that's one of the ways you can minimize walks, minimize big innings, because, you know, in, in, in a way you're turning it over to them. Yep. Oh, that's good stuff. Really good. Uh, Anthony, go ahead. What, what would you add to that? Or yeah, go for it. Yeah, we actually, we have a lot of similarities in that the freedom to shake on pitches, just talking about that. You, these, these kids have to, they, they just can't, we, we, we can turn them into that at times by just calling pitch after pitch after pitch. But if we don't give them the freedom to shake or, or understand about situational pitching, you know, what, what mm -hmm. pitch throw in certain counts, certain situations. And obviously you got the ability to do that, but you also got to be able 
of the thought process while you're trying to pick a pitch and which one you would have good intent behind. To go along with that too, you know, catchers, we're lucky enough to technology where we can do the pitch comm stuff. So there's communication with the catchers and there's at times one will kind of let them, you know, run the show a little bit. I might just give sessions off a scouting report or I see, but they should have the best field back there. And you hopefully develop catchers that are able. We feel like we do at times. And, and when time clock, you know, pace plays really fast. So you want to get catchers able to call pitches that, that help. And then to add the other piece. At that point, Anthony, are you, know, you coaching, pitchers, are you coaching the catchers on what to look for? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. We I are. was saying, Anthony, yeah. are you coaching the catchers on what to look for? Like what, what are some of those conversations like? Yeah, we, we definitely are. They're in every meeting as far as when we break down scouting report, when we talk with, with, with pitchers, um, we'll have pitcher catcher meetings because they're in there and they, they, they need to be a part of it. They need to know and understand where, what we're up against. And again, if they're, they're putting in the work and they are really paying attention to, to understanding the information that we need to have to be successful, then yeah, we, we got no problem having them call pitches at times if we feel it's right. One more follow-up, Anthony. Have you ever had a, a starting pitcher, like not a reliever, where it, you, like this person is not established the fastball guy? You know, like maybe there, it, it, there there's another pitch that goes before the fastball, it, it, or is that like Haley's common almost? No, we yeah, we certainly have. Obviously, you want to you want to develop pitchers to have extreme amount of pitchability, uh, a mix of three or four pitches maybe five sometimes, but you also develop pitchers into what they can individually do really, really well, and then really go let it shine. You know, we have guys that can really spin the breaking ball and, you know, that might be their priority pitch, uh, you know, and fastball at times could be secondary to them. But when you have a weapon and, and you have a tool like that, um, you know, that's, I think that's what they're doing a little bit more in the big leagues now too. It's like yeah. you have a certain pitch and you just go to it. So I think there's some guys that we develop depending most of the time they're relievers, but in that area where it's like, Hey, you can really sprint the breaking ball. It's, it's, we deem that it's, it's okay on the arm, you know, as far as not getting them hurt of, of spinning it too much, actually a higher velocity fastball is even worse for their arm. So yeah. things like that we take into account, but yeah, I, I, I personally like to, to teach the breaking ball. I think it's, and throwing it the right way. And, and some of the guys have that as a priority pitch. Love that. Very cool. Man, I'm gonna. Miss, I have some follow-ups just percolating, but let's let's keep it going. Crib, go ahead. Get, it's, some foundations on how you would call pitches or how you do call pitches. Yeah, I, I think the, both those guys are, are right on the same page. I think it's really identifying your personnel number one. I mean, you, you want good players. There's no question about it, and and you want good pitchers as well. The world that we're living in now, you know, with the recruiting aspect and whatnot, you know, you want really good arms that can throw really hard that can throw strikes you know but usually you're you're asking those guys hey you tell me what you feel most comfortable throwing two pitches wise for strikes and then we'll work from there you know a lot of kids now they want to get kind of sexy on the cutter um or working on different pitches you know and, and we want them to be really good with two pitches and then we'll put them in a sequence you know to be very very successful moving forward so i think that trust component is really important now with this with this generation of young men that we're dealing with you know so being able to identify what they have and then building off of that is crucial and then certainly you know when you're calling the game i think the tempo is really really important you know but it's not assuming that these guys know anything or everything it's teaching them everything that is going to happen to them i mean in college baseball it's you know, you're watching professional baseball now for all the viewers out here. And what we go through on a 56 game schedule is professional baseball in the playoffs every day. I mean, every pitch, every inning really, really matters, you know, where you're getting guys on first base and they're creating chaos. And I don't care if it's the number one overall recruit in the entire country that doesn't sign and wants to come to school. They don't know how to hold runners. They've never been taught to hold runners. They don't know a lot of things other than, hey, I want to throw the baseball through the glove at really, really high speeds and be able to spin it off, which are great things you want to be able to add on to. So I think it's been able to identify who you have and then being able to mix and match those pieces. You know, every program is going to be different as or people are listening here, you know, but I think the beauty of it is 
You know, a lot of people don't know where Justin Verlander went to college. He went to Old Dominion. You know, Jacob DeGrom going to Stetson. Logan Gilbert, big Mariner fan, going to Stetson. You know, George Kirby going to Elon. You know, whoever's developing these guys, they're getting them an opportunity to pitch every single day and getting the opportunity to be able to build trust with them. And I think at the end of the day, it's that's the most important thing is making sure that we're all on the same page here and that I'm going to call a pitch. You know, like, for, for instance, the last three scrimmages we've had at Pacific, I want to make sure, hey, do you want to see a three or do you want to see a two when you throw your breaking ball? Because when I was pitching, I want to see a three because it made me feel more comfortable to be able to throw the slider for a strike. So everybody's a little bit different. Do you want to see a fastball arm side or a fastball in, however you want to call that? How do you want to see that from the catcher or see that on your wristwatch or however you're calling the game? Because everybody's a little bit different. And I think taking the time, and it takes a lot of time, of just making sure you get to know every one of your guys and when you do that, you're building trust with your pitching staff. Whether they throw 98, you know, TJ Nichols at Arizona, holy smokes. I mean, that guy's really hard to hit. Or 78 and your submariner. We all want to be able to know what it is that those guys can do in those situations and how to call that game to where they're looking at it. And all of a sudden it's like, no, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. You know, and we heard the, the conversation already. We don't want to call a pitch that somebody isn't convicted in. You know, and so we want to be on the same page. And that's what we're really doing Monday through Thursday before we scrimmage is making sure everything is into detail. I mean, Pete Carroll padding with his assistants with the New England Patriots, where every one of those assistant coaches knows everything about what those players are doing on the field at any given time. And I think our players want that, too. And I think they earn that. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely a great that's a great theme so far. So Coach Weaver, go ahead. Just to keep building off of that, number one for me is I, I need to know my players, both mentally and physically, as much as I possibly can, especially mentally, because obviously, you know, for the most part, early in the game, especially for the starters, you know, we're trying to establish number one, trying to establish the second offering, whatever that might be. And then obviously the game plan might change here and there and throughout the game. But when, you know, when things are on the line and I need to know, even if I believe, okay, right now, fastball is the pitch to go to right here. But if I if I know in my mind that they're hoping I I put down that slider or that curveball instead, you know, then then I'll do that and and I'll make sure that I try to put them in the most confident situations I can put them in, and just put them in situations where they can be successful as much as I possibly can. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are executing. They're the ones that are, are getting the outs. I'm not really doing a whole lot. Other, I'm just you know I'm putting pitches into the walkie-talkie. I'm making suggestions. You know, they're the ones that are out there executing. So I just I need to know them as much as I possibly can to get them in the most confident situations that I can put them in as much as possible. And then physically, mechanically, throughout the game, and even analytically, I need to know their stuff. I need to know what we're working with, the weapons we have. And then I also need to know what they do throughout an outing and throughout a starter, what to, what changes throughout. You know, if we have a high spin fastball third inning, does it drop in the fifth or sixth? You know, if we reach a certain pitch count. Does that change? Does the slider flatten out? Do we add more depth? Does the changeup get harder or slower depending on the pitch count? If the reliever pitches on Friday, tries to come back on Sunday, what changes with the repertoire then? I need to know that. You know, so a lot of it is is just educating myself, educating myself on on my guys so I can help them as much as I possibly can and, and put down the right suggestions that I call them. And and obviously what these guys are saying before me is you know, where it's a ton of great info right now. And, you know, it's just, it's all the same stuff, really just different verbiage, but just putting them in the best situations we can possibly put them in and allowing them freedom, allowing them to shake. Obviously in the catchers too, our catchers can shake as well. Like we got a sign for that. And yeah, we're just trying to help put the game plan together and communicate to all, to all three parties and, and just get after it. Hey, Javen, let me ask you a follow-up. So I love what you said about, you know, kind of staying observant of their stuff. You know, what are you actually working with that day? The pregame, the you know, the pregame bullpen, you know, that 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 pregame session, how much does that color your judgment or five real pitches into the game that is already out of your brain? So hate to call out a guy right now, but I'm going to because <laughs> last last year we're we're at opening day and we're at Pepperdine and Danny Wilkinson's on the mound for starting opening day. And I can say this story because he's such an awesome kid. And he'll forgive me. And, and we're in the bullpen and he's dotting everything. He's got 
three, four pitches, and he's feeling great, and he's really, really confident, <clears throat> really confident. And I'm like, all right, this this might go well. It's opening day. This might go well. We're at Pepperdine. Great view, obviously. Like, all right, we're good. And, well, we left there, and we walked, I think, 17 on the day. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it was tough. It was a tough day for the Cats. <laughs> so I I really do not take much stake in the pregame bullpen. I really yeah. don't. The biggest thing I try to do is just make sure that health-wise, they feel ready, they're confident, and then do everything we possibly can to get out of the first inning. That's yeah. the biggest thing that I've, I've learned is I don't like to hide stuff, obviously game plans and uh, try to establish and stuff like that. But for the most part, for me, that all goes out the window and maybe get a runner on or something like that. I do everything we possibly can to get out of the first inning and just build a rhythm and go from there. Love it. Hey, let me, let's have some fun with pitch calling. So I'll, I'll, I'll even go first. So I want you guys to think of a, a, a pitch call that you'll never forget. So, and mine's going to be negative, but I'm a high school coach. It's my third year at Malvern Prep. We've still have not won our league, which makes me feel like the worst coach in the history of the sport. There's only six teams in our league. My first year, we had a first round pick at catcher, still didn't win the league, might've finished fourth. Don't want to confirm or deny that. But so, yeah, that's right. Benjamin Davis, we have the best high school player in the country. We finished fourth in the Philadelphia Interact, but be that as it may. So our third year, we got a chance to win the league championship game. It's like second and third. We're up one in the in the seventh. And there's a kid, Kyle Cousins for Penn Charter up, full count. And he's fouled a bunch of pitches off. And so EJ Moyer, who's been there forever, just legendary pitch, high school pitching coach in our area. We grew up together. So me and him are looking at each other like we don't know what to do. We call breaking ball. Brian Skellen's on the mound. I think he's he's like a very successful businessman now. Just awesome kid. You know, throws the breaking ball. Kyle Cousins just absolutely murders it into left center field, we lose. Lose the champion. And, you know, probably didn't get over it for at least six months, if not 30 years. And so that's one that I remember. At least EJ and I were in agreement on it, that we're going curveball there, but it didn't did not go well. So it could be awesome. It could be one that is a game winner. But I want you guys to name, and Lonnie, I'll start with you. Name a pitch call that that is memorable for you. Yeah, 2002 or three. Again, pitchers have the ability to shake. We're playing Stanford. Anthony Reyes is on the mound. He was the kid that got to the big leagues, won a game in the World Series for the Cardinals, beat the Tigers maybe. And we're playing Stanford. And the way to get John Mayberry Jr. for Stanford out was just keep pound him in, pound him in, pound him in. So it's his third at bat of the day, maybe his fourth. Anthony's got a shutout. And I call for a bounce breaking ball. And he leaves it up, and we're winning maybe 5 nothing or whatever. And he leaves it up, and Junior hits one out of the yard, three-run homer. Reyes strikes out the next guy. He comes into the dugout and just totally buzzes my tower. We should have thrown an inside fastball. And I didn't say anything. He went back out the ninth, got him out. So the next day, I call him up to the office, and we have the video, right? And – he sits down. I go, hey, man, I'm sorry. That was such a bad call, you know. And I'm kind of, he's all feeling like, yeah, you right, you dummy. And I said, but Anthony, I'm pretty sure I didn't call this pitch. And I had the screen on my computer frozen. And he, John Mayberry Jr. is like this. It's an eye-high curveball. And I said, I'm pretty sure I didn't call that, Anthony. And he goes, yeah, you're right. I said, why didn't you shake? if you want to throw a fastball in. And so that was kind of a cute moment. And then, but one more last year, we're playing Nevada. Garrett Irvin shook 10 times on a two Oh count to a curveball. And we were, we, we were up big. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, we had a lead. We got out on him early. And so he, we were just trying to chew up innings. He shook 10 times on a two Oh count to a curveball, and was 10 for 10 on strikes. It was the most unbelievable thing. Man, I remember saying to him, man, you got more, you got more girl <laughs> love than I do. <laughs> That's a very left-handed thing for Mr. Irvin. Well done. Yeah. That's awesome. Coach Claggett, go ahead. Yep, it was 2018 at New Mexico State. We were in the Texas Tech Regional. 
We lost our first game, and we're playing the second game. Kyle Bradish is on the mound for us, who's in the big leagues with the Baltimore Orioles right now. And he's throwing a gem. I mean, an absolute beauty of a game. And you guys know Bradish, it's high electric stuff with a lot of swing and miss. So the pitch count was getting up there. But we got to the ninth, and we brought in our closer to face a closer's a sidearm righty to face a left-handed hitter. We're playing Kent. And we're up two to one. And Bradish just came out, just missed what we thought was strike three. But ended up walking a guy. So he's on first base. And we bring in the closer. And we go. And I remember handing the ball to closer Brock Whittlesey, who, who's, in, who's also in pro ball with the A's. And we looked at each other and said, it's backdoor slider, right? And he goes, yep. And so we were both on the same page. And he threw backdoor slider and a lefty stepped into it and hooked it down the right field line for a two-run home run. So we lost three to two, an opportunity to win a regional game. So I'll always remember that that call. I, I, but I I do think it was the right call. He executed the pitch and he was on board with it. So it just didn't work out in our favor. Oh man! And that Texas Tech team wasn't they they went to Omaha, right? I think they beat Duke in a super regional and. Yep. Yeah, it was a really good team. Really very talented team. It was us. Kent, Louisville, and Texas Tech. There's some good position players running around that regional. That that would be a tough weekend to be the pitching coach. I was it was I was just a fan. I was sitting back yeah. watching some good baseball. This yeah, it's pretty special players. Josh Young is on that Texas Tech team. Mm-hmm. Probably he's probably a freshman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah. Rangers. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Coach Kribbe, go ahead. Yeah, th- this will be kind of an offshoot of everything. You know, one of the best pitch calls that I've ever been a part of was one that I actually threw in an alumni game. Dominic Woody was our catcher, fourth rounder out of the University of Washington, very prominent you know, high school baseball coach in the Seattle area at Mercer Island High School. He calls timeout. We were playing the actual current team at that time. I think it was 2012. And he said, hey, I want you to throw a slider. I'm going to block it. He's going to run. I'm going to dr- pick it up. And I'm going to throw him out. And I'm looking at him like, okay, you know, we'll see how this goes. And so sure enough, I throw a slider, he blocks it, picks it up, and throws an absolute rocket to second base and and throws him out. And so I remember looking back at him like, holy smokes, man, this guy is, I got some, you know, cojones, so to speak. And so really, that was one of the most, I mean, there's been so many pitch calls. I mean, I can't remember them all from, you know, from when I started coaching, assuming all the other coaches as well could do that too, and you could just pick one. But that was probably one of the ones that was the most fun being a part of of just being able to see there and sit there and, oh, my gosh, this is actually happening. You predicted it, and it actually happened. So that was one of the funnest ones I've ever been a part of. That's awesome. I love it. That's, hey, trust your catcher, right? There you go. That's, okay. There's a lesson in there. Very good. Jabin, go ahead. Coach Weaver. Biggest, biggest memory to this day and probably will carry for a long time. My first weekend as a Division One pitching coach, my first opening weekend, we're at Arizona State. And we have them on the ropes, two to one in the bottom of the ninth. And we walk, intentionally walk Torkelson to load the bases with two outs up two to one. And I have the lefty on the mound I talked about earlier. He's on the mound. And a true freshman, it's his first appearance of his career. And we go three, two, and Halverson's lefty, lefty, Halverson's in the box. And we're just, we're get to three, two, we're feeding him fastballs. And this lefty's got a great curveball, but it's a freshman, right? So who knows? It's three, two, and, and, Halverson falls off, I think, four straight fastballs in a row. When I turn, hitting coach and head coach right next to me, say, hey, coach, can I go to that curveball right now? Absolutely not. Another foul ball. Hey, coach, can we go to it right now? Absolutely not. And I think, I want to say, I think the at-bat was about 11 or 12 pitches. He fouled off, I think, six in a row, 3-2. But we finally got the last one. We finally got the last one by him. But, yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget that. Uh, just 3-2 awesome. count, feeding him. I, yeah, I think it was like five or six straight fastballs. That's awesome. Uh, and it was it was Trevor Halver is the kid you're th- thinking of, right? The left-handed yeah. hitter. Yeah, he was like a fourth-rounder. The Yeah, could really, really hit. I mean, that whole lineup was comically good. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had a, I tried to have a pitcher's meeting in the bullpen during their BP, and I had to move it into the into the dugout because I I just I kept looking up. I couldn't speak because their BP was just – I'm just in the bullpen standing there. So well, awesome. we're going to move this. We're going to move this inside. So your head coach, Kevin Mulvey, he pitched in the big leagues, right? Did he get to the, I think he got to the big leagues, didn't he? He did. He did. He was drafted by the Mets and then he was traded to the twins. He, I believe he was in the Johan Santana deal to the twins, came up with the twins. And then he, he made some appearances with the Diamondbacks. Love it. Oh, really cool. 
Hey, let's guys, let's keep going. And, and God, I could spend all night on pitch calling, but in the, it, we got about 13 minutes left. So let's do this. Let's talk about bullpen management. So Lonnie, I'm, I'll have you start, it off, start us off. The, you can go anywhere you want with this, but my main curiosity is, hey, like they can't get hot unlimited times and then be effective in the game, right? So right. how do you manage that from pregame to during game to all those different types of things? You know, managing the bullpen when the game is dynamic and what the needs of, uh, of the game can change in a pitch. Yeah, well... First of all, I, I think the most important thing is everybody ready is not a plan unless you're playing in an elimination game or something like that. Sure. And we, I'm, you know, early in my career, and I suppose we've all been guilty of this. You don't want to tell a guy that his role might not be very significant on a given day because you're afraid you'll hurt their feelings. But over time, what I've come to find out is, is that, look, you're not, you don't figure in this game today. So here's your plan for today, whether it's when we get out here before BP and get 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 our work in or or it might allow him to lift harder that day or condition more or whatever it is. But I and then from that, you, you know, you'd be pretty specific. This is your role today. OK, you're the middle guy you're the long guy or whatever role it is. It's really hard to. Because generally speaking, we're recruiting starters, right. generally speaking. Now, you'll pull some relievers from junior college or a transfer kid or something like that. But generally, this is uncharted waters for them, particularly when they're new. So you have to give them a plan for what to do when they're down there. And I got this from my friend Rob Wilson, who's the who was the longtime junior, head junior college coach at Sierra, and he numbered the extent of their readiness. So one was you're getting your body ready. Two was you're playing catch, shuffling down the mound. And three, you're getting yourself hot. And and that's where it's tough because, as we all know, they want to throw more than they need to. And and they, they do leave a lot. They can leave a lot in the bullpen. You know, we're always reminding them, you got eight out there. And, and you, you know, we've been practicing since August 22nd. You're not gonna make your curveball better and 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 that sort of thing, which which makes the importance of who's on the walkie-talkie down there. It has to be a pretty strong personality. We used the previous day starter. We did that last year, and I really liked it. I thought it was real, real effective. And but but teaching them how to do it. I think I sent you something, Rune, where where you talk about how to how to warm up in the bullpen. If the ramp up is slow and you're organized with it and you're constantly thinking ahead and you're not putting them in a situation where they have to get ready real real fast then i think they you know they'll have some confidence in themselves going into the game because when you bring a guy out of the bullpen there's traffic it's a big spot they're nervous everybody's nervous so we kind of try to embrace the nerves you should be nervous I'm nervous for you. So <laughs> have fun with it, you know, and, and you can just give them little things to do, you yeah. know, that'll, that'll help them kind of punch through that. Love it. Coach Claggett, what would you, uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. I, I think first thing that really gets to the point where in spring, where we're really confident about that bullpen management is just a development in the fall. And the, the thing we spent a lot of time on it is just awareness of what the arm can do that day. It really is. It's, it's, it's a special tool, but everybody's arm, everybody's body's different. So we spent a lot of time, especially that kind of carries over to throwing program and stuff like that. But you know, how often can you get off the mound at what intensity and how often can you stretch it out and play long toss, which we're advocates of. So I'm very, our relationship with the pitchers, we are really making sure that if we're talking to them every day, I'm based on how they feel. How did you feel after going two innings in an air squad? How are you feeling after throwing 75 pitches and up and down five times in an air squad? Or how, how do you feel um, going back to back days? Or are you a second day soreness guy? So there's a lot of things to take into account that we really try to get to the spot where we feel confident going in the spring, but, but that communication in the fall with our pitchers. So then once we get to the spring, um, 
you know, me and Skip are, are really good at communicating on a daily basis going into a game of who's hot that day and who can give us what. And I usually ask the pitchers, hey, what can you give us today? You threw yesterday, you threw 12 pitches, seemed like a pretty clean inning. Can you give us, you know, what can you give us today? So Skip's always in in full know of, of who's hot that day and what they can and can't give us. We like to we like to try to really make sure that our guys are developed, that they can go back-to-back days or they can go three out of four days in a week. It's what you're actually training for if you get an opportunity to play professional baseball. You know, you got to be pretty hot every day. So there's an understanding, obviously, of, of, of what a guy can be productive that day, too. It's not just, hey, I feel great or I feel pretty good. or No, how can you be productive for us today, too, and being aware of that. So, and the last thing I'll touch on is, is we're really matchup-based. That, you know, hopefully you have a, a handful of guys out there that you trust from a, a mental standpoint, a pitchability standpoint, but really it's it's about matchups. You know, we we kind of like having going into the season, maybe you have three options at the back end based on what the lineup's going to look like. And so you have roles, you have some long guys, you have some bridge guys, but really I think we think that college baseball, if if you need that big out in the seventh, and it's your pseudo closer, and that might be the biggest outs in the game. So that's when sure. we might might be able to use them. So we have a plan, obviously, going in, and like everybody does, but uh, it's probably a little bit more on the what can you give us that day, and then you know, pretty pretty heavy on the matchup base. Love it, really cool. Go ahead, Coach Crib. Yeah, I think I think it's big on communication. You know, number one with these kids. You know, again, as the duration's changing and changing and changing, you know, I think it's really, really vital to be able to talk to these kids. You know, they're gonna not always want to hear what you want to tell them. But I think it's important that they need to hear the right things and the honesty of it. And, you know, we can all sit here and say we'd love to have 12 arms on a staff. They're going to pitch throughout the 56 games in the regular season. It's probably going to be seven or eight. You know, and you're going to have four starters, and you're going to probably have three or four relievers. You know, beyond that, you're trying to develop these guys in the fall. I think you're recruiting a makeup and a mentality. I mean, yes, we want the guys that, you know, breathe fire and, and have great secondaries, but we want the mentality, number one, and I think it's practicing too those bullpen scenarios. You know, when you manage this thing, you know, and so even in practice, say, you know, you're you're not going to get to play long toss during an inner squad, then go to your bullpen and then be ready. And then we're going to bring in the next, next inning. You need to practice as if hey, we're on the walkie-talkie or however it's being yeah. uh, communicated. You need to practice to get your eight pitches, ten pitches in your <laughs> And so I think that's important. We'll actually practice running in from the bullpen so they can at least get an idea of what that feels like you know when we get into you know regular season play when we're on the road we'll practice you know on a Thursday night when we get in there as far as coming out of the bullpen and what that looks like and what that visual aspect is again we're playing 56 games you know one of a a former University of Washington player Adam Simber who led the 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 league this year for the Blue Jays in appearances you know at 70 you know we're asking those guys to be able to throw 30 times I don't think it's too much able to ask those guys to throw 30 times and we want to be able to practice that on a daily basis to where those guys can get up and down and to be able to put them in a situation to where they're going to have success and i always tell our guys at the same time too i'm not going to put you in a situation where you're going to fail because if that's the case we're all failing and we don't want to lose today so we're going to put you in a situation where you're going to have success and if it's in a sixth inning or the seventh inning or the eighth inning you're going to be the sixth seventh eighth inning guy that it's the best in the country, and someone's probably going to draft you for that, and then they're going to deal with you however they want to deal with you in professional baseball. So I think it's training that mindset, but certainly practicing getting those guys ready for those moments, being able to get them in and out of the bullpen as fast as you can, less pitches on the mound in the bullpen and get them into a game just so they can feel what it is that they're going to experience, and especially from a freshman or a sophomore or a younger guy, which is generally who's in the bullpen, those guys need to get more and more, more opportunities doing that on a daily basis and practice as we go. So I think it's doing that more than anything else. And certainly it's a matchup aspect too and making sure that, you know, sure. if it's right on right, left on left, and we all get that type of stuff and it's pretty pretty simple. But I think it's being able to practice that on a daily basis as to where, hey, man, if you want to be a reliever, it'd be good. Give us 25 outings you know, in the course of a year where you can go out there and be respectable and somebody's going to pay you to do it. Love it. Coach Weaver. For this, for me, I think it's the meeting before the meeting. The One of the hugest, biggest things I've seen, especially this year and, and last year too, is 
really you, we need to define what trouble means when the guys are in the bullpen and, and it says, hey, you need to be ready if there's trouble or start getting hot if there's trouble. And if you're the seventh inning guy and we have the sixth inning guy out there in the sixth, but all of a sudden, you know, he's starting to struggle. A lot of guys, we may take for granted a lot of guys, what they know that means is trouble. Is that just a hey, leadoff walked? Does that mean I get hot right away? Or, you know, that, oh, that's my roommate on the mound, leadoff walk. Like he's got it. He's, I got a lot of confidence in him. He's got it. I can, I can, I can watch him go a little bit. You know, so for me, it's clearly defining what that means and making sure, you know, hey, when we're, you know, if the game's a six to eight run game, okay, that's different. If it's four runs or less, yeah, that leadoff walk, you need to start moving around. I love the one, two, three process that, that Coach Long mentioned. You know, just the communication, it's, it's really what, what it's about is making sure they understand what I want out of them and how quickly they need to, to be able to prepare themselves, how quickly they be good for us in the game. It's not necessarily a Friday. If you haven't pitched all week, you're fresh. You know, that, that situation in the bullpen, that program that they go through, that warm-up might be different. Then if they pitch on Friday or Saturday, and then we try to get them ready again on Sunday. On uh, Sunday, it's going to be a little bit shorter. It's probably just going to be get the blood flow and the heartbeat going as, as quickly as we can and just just do do the minimum for you to be able to be successful on the mound. But it's, it's all communication and just making sure everybody's on the same page and having, the, having that guy on the walkie-talkie from the coach, the dugout to the bullpen, having that guy that you can trust. I love having the the firm voice. That's that's huge. And just like I said, just making sure that everybody's on the same page and, and the kids know what we expect out of them. This is a dumb question, but for just just a yes or no. So these kids are so used to throwing to technology in a game, but I didn't get to coach in this era. In a game, like you can't have that in your bullpen, can you? Or you can like they like people can have rap soto during a for the closer getting ready during a game. Is that allowed or not allowed? I think it's, I think it's allowed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so you can, so I guess that's a whole, we, we won't cover that today, but that's a whole other can of worms is like guys trying to get ready, but, but seeing being so technology dependent, I guess that could be good or bad, I suppose. So, Oh, gotta love it. What a, what a, what a time to be alive. Gentlemen, this was awesome. It, just like it did last year. I was curious to see how it would go being very subject focused, but it, it, this mirrors what, what I experienced last year where it, man, it just, the hour blew by. I mean, it, it, it just absolutely flew by. And, you know, like the way I've always looked at this is kind of the beginning of many conversations. I probably will ask to buy each of you a beverage at the convention and continue this conversation, which is kind of the, 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 that, that is the parallel for these things. So really appreciate your guys' time. This was super, super fascinating. I, I, uh, it's tremendous insight from you guys. So uh, again, for the listeners, um, we, we appreciate you guys as well. And uh, look forward to those next topics that are coming the next nine or 10 weeks, depending on how long we go. want to say thanks again to our friends at Netting Pros. They're who make this possible. Those guys do a great job and we encourage everyone to, to support them. So that is it. We're going to wrap up. We will see everyone next Sunday night. We'll keep doing this all through the fall. And uh, everybody have a great week. We will catch you next week. Take care. Mike Rooney for Commissioner of College Baseball. <laughs> yes. Yes. On board. Yes. Thanks, Rooms. Oh, very good.